Our first reading is from Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. And if you'd like to follow along, it's printed on the back of your bulletin announcements. In preparation to hear these words, let us turn our hearts in prayer. Holy God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for these ancient words and for the lives of those who have carried them down throughout the ages. We ask that you would open our minds and our hearts this day that we might hear a word from you. Amen. A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Holy One shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and reverence of the Holy One. His delight shall be in the reverence of God. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist, and faithfulness the belt around his loins. The wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf with the lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of God as the waters cover the sea. On that day, the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal to the peoples. The nations shall inquire of him, and his dwelling shall be glorious. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Our gospel reading for today comes from St. Matthew, the third chapter, beginning with the first verse. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Now John wore clothing of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then the people of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out to him and all the region along the Jordan, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. 
Do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our ancestor, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children of Abraham. Even now, the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Here ends the reading of the gospel. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our, my heart and our hearts be blessed in your sight, our creator, our rock, our redeemer. Amen. In 1982, Muppet creator Jim Henson released a different kind of Muppet movie, Dark Crystal. How many of you have seen Dark Crystal? So recently, his daughter created a new prequel on Netflix, The Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. The story takes place on planet Thra, which is tended by a powerful crystal. The Skeksis are brutal rulers who oppress, enslave, kill, and self-indulge to the detriment of the entire planet. The mystics, also known as Uru, are powerful gurus who embody contemplative wisdom, kindness, justice, and peace. What we learn partway through the story, and cover your ears, a spoiler alert if you haven't seen it yet, we learn that the Skeksis and the Uru, the mystics, were originally one. In the distant past, they were called Urskeks, each of which contained light and dark, kindness and viciousness. And they tried to purify themselves of this darkness by the power of the crystal. But instead, each Urskek was split in two, with the Uru becoming wise mystics and the Skeksis becoming tyrants yet each was still linked to his or her counterpart. When a Skeksis experienced pain or injury, their mystic twin also suffered. What the Urskeks tried to repress and eradicate was projected onto the planet with fury and destruction. How can they and the planet be made whole again? You'll have to check in with Netflix to find out. In our text for today, John the Baptist arrives on the scene crying out in the wilderness. He calls people to repent and be baptized as they publicly acknowledge their sins. Words like sin and repentance, ugh, they inflame our modern ears. Many of us were raised with fire and brimstone religion in which some people are bound for eternal glory and the imperfect masses, most of us, for the eternal barbecue pit. <laughs> we tried to split off what we thought 
to be the dark, sinful parts of ourselves, the unacceptable parts. Yet like the Erskets, we are still tethered to anything that we disown. We learn to equate repentance and sin with self-loathing and shame. What have you tried to eradicate, to split off from yourself? That kind of religion makes us ping-pong between self-righteous pride in our purity and shame of darkness. Like the Erskeks, we don't experience wholeness. As we approach a new year, we can learn from our Jewish friends about wholeness from their observance of Jewish New Year, Rosh Hashanah, and Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, of repentance in making amends. Now, one Jewish tradition is that there are three books that are opened in the new year, one containing the names of the truly good, another containing the names of the truly evil, and a third book for those in the middle who embody both light and dark. This third book of folks contains almost all the names because it's our human experience to be a mixture, to be saint and sinner, mystic and skexis. When we see ourselves as members of this third book, we soften. We whose lives are a mix of light and dark are not alone. Confession, then, is not about individual shaming, fire and brimstone, disowning parts of ourselves, but about owning our humanity as flawed beings made of divine stuff. We are one human family of one holy evolutionary process. So recently I, I became embroiled in a Facebook spat with someone that I've known since childhood. Has that happened to anyone else? <laughs> the people you grew up with, something just happened to them along the way and it shows up on Facebook. So bolstered with facts, scripture, and common sense, my response eviscerated my childhood friend's offensive post about immigrants. I showed him just how stupid he was. A few minutes later, I felt unsettled. My energy felt judgmental and self-righteous. And I knew from experience that my message would not be received. If anything, we would each become more entrenched in our smug positions. So I returned to Facebook, deleted my post, and wrote a new one. What I wrote was confessional. I expressed not the moral certitude of a superior human being, but the humility of a native-born white male who's beginning to wake up to my own privilege. This confessional was from my heart, not my pride. While rooted in facts and personal experiences with immigrant families, the intent of my words was not to browbeat and shame, but to share my inner struggle and create a safe space in which my friend could face his own privilege. Our wholeness emerges in relationship. 
Confession is to admit both our personal flaws and the structures of oppression that we swim in, that we unwittingly benefit from, and together to seek the great turnaround, together make the repentance, and seek the common good. Otherwise, our piety degenerates into division and injustice in an entirely new form. Sometimes the best way to learn about the kingdom, the realm of God, is through other creatures. So we have a lot of teachers in our home, both feline and canine, and one of ours is a dog named Benny, whom we rescued about two years ago. And each night he plays a game that's doggy rodeo. He barks incessantly at our other dog, Cowboy, until Cowboy gets his old fox terrier bones off the floor and chases Benny around the house and around the house and around the house. And once Benny feels sufficiently chased, then and only then will he settle down for the night. His wholeness comes in relationship with Cowboy. And I think Cowboy also feels a sense of wholeness by this nightly ritual he plays with Benny. That's how it works for us, for those of us who are creatures. Our wholeness occurs in relationship with each other, where everyone's thriving is bound together. In our text, John calls this the realm of God and declares it is near. Folks come in droves to admit their faults, be baptized in the River Jordan, and take a dip into this realm of God. And this is where, unfortunately, many of us have experienced in our past Christian churches who missed the mark by making repentance and salvation purely a personal matter. But John and Jesus put the great turning around in the context of pursuing the common good. That is why John calls out the powerful and privileged when they come to be baptized. They see themselves as those whose names might be among the few recorded in the book of the truly good. They parade personal piety, but they lack humility and humanity and are not open to transformation. They put on a good show, but without a change of consciousness, of heart, of behavior, their show is a farce. John compares them to a rotten tree that is going to be cut down if it fails to produce fruit. My partner used to be a waiter at a Mexican Southwestern restaurant. And one day he approached a table of three women and said, hi, I'll be your server today, how are you? Their reply, chips and salsa. <laughs> he stood there in silence. Eventually they asked him what was wrong. He replied, when I greeted you as one human being to another and asked how you were doing, your reply was chips and salsa. I'm wondering what that means. Do you feel zesty, spicy? You feel a little bit fried and crispy after a long day? I'm not sure what chips and salsa tells me about how you are today. They paused, reflected, and then said, 
we are so sorry. We didn't even realize what we were doing and how we were treating you as a thing, not a person. We probably do this all the time without even noticing. Can we please start over? My partner turned around, walked away, approached the table again. Hi, how are you today? They replied, we're doing great. Thank you for asking, and how are you? And they became regular customers for many years after that. Frederick Buechner wrote, to repent is to come to your senses. It is not so much something you do as something that happens. True repentance spends less time looking at the past and saying, I'm sorry, than to the future and saying, wow. Repentance is not about wallowing in self-hate. It is to see a potential wholeness, both personal and universal, and live in that wow. In our text, John claims he and his water baptism are going to be superseded by one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit and fire with wow. Being baptized with fire and the Holy Spirit is to come to our senses. We begin to see the inhumane ways in which we've been treating ourselves and others. We make ourselves available for transformation, which always comes as a gift, as surprise. That's what this season of Advent is about, is making ourselves available for the transformation my partner's customers weren't planning or trying to be transformed, but when the invocation came, they paused, they turned, they became vulnerable, and the change happened. Fire baptism is when that consciousness of Christ transforms us, and our primary identity shifts and is no longer just the ego self we identify as the common good, as the realm of God, and the web of all life. This is salvation. This is the message of Christmas in which the fullness of God is born into a baby in a manger and reborn in us, as us. Through us. As us, the divine makes straight the paths of justice, freedom, kindness, forgiveness, grace. We become the divine presence that reconciles. First, those parts of ourselves that we've disowned, and then, by extension, all of our human family. Everything and everyone that we've tried to split off is redeemed, integrated. The irony is that when we finally stop trying to appear good, the goodness of life comes flowing into us free and clear and overflows into all of life around us. From this deep inner knowing of wholeness of who we are in God and Christ as divine beings in our flawed beauty, we envision a future wholeness for all life and say, by the way that we live, wow. Jan, Richards, Jan Richardson expresses this thought 
in her poem, Blessing for a Broken Vessel. Do not despair. You hold the memory of what it was to be whole. It lives deep in your bones. It abides in your heart that has been torn and mended a hundred times. It persists in your lungs that know the mystery of what it means to be full, to be empty, to be full again. I'm not asking you to give up your grip on the shards that you clasp so close to you, but to wonder to wonder what it would be like for those jagged edges to meet each other in some new pattern that you have never imagined, that you have never dared to dream. What are your jagged edges? What new pattern is the holy creating with the shards of your brokenness? What unexpected wow is emerging that both scares you and excites you? The baptism of fire and the Holy Spirit of Jesus is to confess our jagged edges to ourselves, to each other, and to God and to make ourselves available to God for this reassembling of all our jagged edges into a new mosaic. Because in God, nothing is lost, only reclaimed, redeemed, and made whole. Our individual salvation and our communal salvation converge. And through us, God makes justice and peace. as we come to our senses and awaken to our true Advent identity as Christ's presence here and now, that we are the realm of God. As we wake up to that, as we embody that, our prayers get shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter. Until the only word left to pray is wow. Amen. Let us stand as we affirm our faith.